Football on off the ball. With Sky. All the football you love in one place. Across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. You're welcome along. Football show coming at you. So Liverpool 2-0 up at Ellen Road against Leeds. Second half has just started. Gakpo and Mo Salah with the goals. There is a lot going on. Pat Nevin is with us. Good evening. Hello. Good evening, Joe. How are you doing? Very good. Oh, it's just gone 2-1. Just like that. Leeds back in it. Not even celebrating, Pat. They're picking up the ball. They're running back to the halfway line. They're all business. That is the nature of this relegation battle. Well, they should be business now because they were nobody's business. They were non-interest, non-entities and not interesting in the first half. They were so dull. They just wouldn't go forward. They were so negative. Um, they were really annoying, actually, with those home fans behind them. But, uh, yeah, they started the second half not bad. <laughs> Maybe they're annoyed by that, um, the second goal, the, the, the handball by Trent. Uh, Alexander-Arnold when they didn't get that I have to say it's beyond me how that goal wasn't chopped off it's absolutely beyond me anyway, they're back in it now Uh, We will keep an eye let's start at the top of the table, I think the prevailing sense is, and the first uh, inkling was at Anfield but the prevailing sense now is that Arsenal are wobbling in a very big way and we are now nearing the inevitable conclusion yeah, but it's, it's it's tough for them. You think about it. Um, yeah, they were two 0 up each time, but these are away games. They're not not easy games. You know, you you don't get if you get a draw at Liverpool, normal situation, normal times, that's actually not bad. Uh, but yeah, you're right. The West Ham one was the one that everyone felt, oh dear, because they were so in control. They were absolutely phenomenal. I thought that first 20, 25 minutes or so, um, but after that, it was. Um, just, they just disappeared. It was really weird. Uh, a, a big part of it is if you're, I suppose, if you're playing, you're two 0 down. You, what have you got to lose? You might have, as well have a dig, um, as, as we're seeing tonight with Leeds United. Um, but they didn't seem to be able to wrest back control, and maybe that's the difference between them and Manchester City. They don't seem to really lose control, or if they lose it for a little while, they know how to retake it again. Um, and they, they have gears they can go back into. Now, Arsenal have had that this season, but it was just kind of noticeable against West Ham. They didn't have that ability. And I saw what they tried to do. They tried. They brought in Jorginho at one point and see that he could hold the ball and change the tempo of the game. But at that point, you know, they were just a little bit rampant, West Ham United. You know, and I thought they played quite well. Uh, but certainly, I don't see many teams doing that to Manchester City. No. what West Ham and, and particularly Liverpool did to them uh, perhaps the most frustrating aspect from an Arsenal point of view is they get the brilliant start and then it seems that even the players uh, fall into the trap of believing what most onlookers believed which is okay this is going to be a handy three points and if you think about the first goal the Benrama penalty and the concession of it there was like almost a a lethargy or an arrogance to their passing and the Partey flick is only the culmination around Rice which he reads and does the Gabriel tackle as much as he tried to pull out of it it's clumsy and and Gabriel has had his moments this season but like that was just completely self-inflicted and and there was I mean I would stand by there was a certain arrogance to it like we're we're, we're in the sunshine here we've got this done as opposed to like Mikel Arteta Arteta talked about uh, playing with a purpose and looking for third um, 
it's, it looks that way. It may well be that way. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I take your point uh, because, you know, they, they were really af- at it. They were moving the ball quickly. They were holding the ball. West Ham can get out of their own, you know, half at any point in time when they were like that. And when you go 2-0 up, it is the most natural thing in the world to think, right, okay, they would say, actually, we've, we've done enough. We don't need to exhaust ourselves and, you know, absolutely kill ourselves in this game. Mm. Um, so they might look at it in, in that way. I, I, my look at it seemed to be they had time to think. You know, when I, it's like it's like a striker going through in goals. There's certain strikers, don't give them time to think, they'll miss. Mm. Whereas if they, if they do have time to think, they, if they don't have time to think, they just hit it and go and they'll score. And it's a wee bit like that with Arsenal at the moment. They're going ahead and they're thinking, oh, we've, we've got this now, mm. what should we do? And, and, they, and they think, they don't keep on playing the way, or doing the natural thing. And it kind of looked a wee bit like that. And when you lose momentum uh, in the Premier League, just about any team, especially teams that are fighting and chasing and battling to get out of um, a dangerous situation. And that is the big thing as well just now. Come this point of the season, most of the teams, I was going to say all the teams, but I won't. I'll say most of the teams down the bottom are fighting and biting and scrapping to get out. So you can't, you can't, you can't soft pedal against anyone. Mm. So I, I would, I see, I see where it looked like arrogance, um, but I, I'm not sure. Okay, I, that's I, interesting. I, no, because I, I take the point because I heard Liam Brady speaking earlier, and he was very frustrated by the manner in which they handed over momentum, and he described Arsenal as being lackadaisical and unprofessional. Uh, was his reading of it. And I, I would have tended to agree, but I accept what you're saying. Uh, like well, Almost that, that sense of, oh my God, we're in control here. Look yeah. at the stage we're on, look what we're headed towards. And, and, and well, like, it can that, only that stasis go kicks in. Because yeah. I, yeah. I don't think they're, they're in a position to be arrogant, quote unquote. I, don't, I, I agree. I don't think they are. I, I, I just don't see it. Um, okay. They've got good belief. There's this, there's this really thin line between arrogance and uh, utter self-confidence and you kind of need the latter you don't need the former uh, if in these sort of situations um, but the, the times that I've watched them this season particularly when I've been there watching them um, I take it I'm a wee bit behind in this <laughs> Liverpool score I didn't want to interrupt you yeah 3-1 Diogo Jota yeah. um, I, I, I do feel that, that they haven't because you're that long in waiting to win you know the league I just don't think you can feel that. And also, they would have to be really, really stupid, really dim mm. to not see Manchester City's big shadow on their shoulder. Well, they, they to, to what extent to... do you think City's form is adding to their nerves? And it can't help. But it's, it's, again, it's the old one. You, you hate running at the front because if there's somebody on your shoulder, you know, it's, it's always a wee bit, it's not always, but it's often a bit easier if it's a tight race to be right on the shoulder coming off that last bend. Because you can see everything, whereas you're at the front and you've been at the front for a long time. You've got a million thoughts in your head and they're all behind you. <laughs> so it's absolutely the case. It's, it's a tough place to be and it's everyone's gunning for you, you know that. But it's, and especially if you're not used to it. If you're not used to it and you've, it's the classic one which we've said before, you know, Man City know they can win it, Arsenal think they can. And that's the difference. Mm. Arsenal, where they are, they still think they can. Whereas Man City, absolutely, every every player in that team knows they can. I mean, just about the only player, maybe one or two, but Haaland doesn't know. But I suspect he's hell of a confident he can. 
wouldn't think he's quivering somehow. It's going to be so interesting to see how Arsenal frame the next couple of weeks because they can absolutely look at their own issues and look at City's form and again think that the inevitable conclusion is imminent. Or they can frame it in a more positive slant and say, we didn't expect to be here. We beat Southampton. Then we go to City. If we win that game, we're 10 points clear. We win the league. And that is a hell of a carrot. So we've had our wobbles for sure. But let's just reset here and understand that actually we've got a couple of games now to win the league. So everybody should feel very good about that. I don't think they'll get themselves into that mindset. I think they are looking over their shoulder and they are uh, feeling pretty uh, pessimistic about the situation. It's just the sense I get because City looks so good. Yeah, because it looks bordering on effortless. I mean, the last wobble, major wobble from City off the top of my head was the Nottingham Forest game. Mm. Um, Where they had a million shots. Yeah, and that was at, I was actually at that. You game. were, yeah. And it was kind of ridiculous that they, they actually lost. It was just hilarious that they lost it. If you're an Arsenal fan, I suppose. I suppose. Um, so you know, but apart from that, they've generally just cruised, cruised, and cruised, and cruised. And for Arsenal, it hasn't been a cruise. And we've been very impressed. And time a couple of times, I've maybe a couple of times I've said to you, "Hey, I'm beginning to waver because I was really strong on no, no, it's Man City, it's Man City, it's Man City." But when they kept talking about back and they got those last minute winners and that sort of thing, mm. you just thought, well, that's exactly what you need to do. That's what the the, the the fighters and the battlers and the grafters do. But then again, if a team's just walking out and winning fairly easily most weeks, that's a wee bit better way to do it. That's a wee yeah. more comfortable way to do it. And there's always that uncertainty. And you know, I've, I do feel sorry for them, but they're still they've still got it in their own hands. That's what you can see if you're yeah. Arsenal. No, it's, that's, still, that's how they have to view it. On Man City, they had that period where Pep Guardiola was effectively saying in public. I don't like the attitude and, you know, uh, he's too overweight to train and then I'm going to bomb Cancelo out of the club and now I'm going to play Bernardo Silva at left back and he's just in the last uh, month, six weeks, they've just straightened themselves out and they're just looking awesome. So, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, the Bayern Munich performance was uh, amazing, not least because Bayern were very threatening. Uh they're just now into that realm where it looks like they won't drop a point. To what extent do you think that the treble is more likely than not? Um, well, having well tomorrow night I'm off to the uh, Chelsea Real Madrid game. Uh, if and when they get past Bayern, which they will, uh, they've got Real now. What player for player? I mean, Real Madrid. I have to say, I'm quite impressed by them. Yeah, but I think Man City are the better play, better team. But Real Madrid are these. Champions League machines and European Cup before that machines and you know at the moment they're not going for La Liga they're only interested in one thing and the, the thing that's kind of stopping and get going for the, going for everything you know the cup yeah the crime uh, the league we know the situation there but the Champions League is the big don't know because it's Real Madrid and it's the Real Madrid that suddenly a team that shouldn't be any good because they've got a centre forward who's approaching mid thirties, they've got their best player in midfield who's 37, 38, you know, and they shouldn't be any good. And they're great and then they and they look fantastic when they're on song. And they've they've added well. Vinicius Junior started playing really well, looking extra special. Um so somewhere and of course Ancelotti's making some great decisions. So it's 
that that match that matchup's going to be incredible. So yeah. yeah, I can see them win the league, but um, if, which I suspect most of the things going to happen, even those with blue tinted glasses, those of us who have, um, if if and when Real Madrid do get past Chelsea, uh, it, that's that's the one. Whoever wins that one, I think will win the, the yeah. competition. Uh, it does feel this year like after you know a few interesting experiments, Pep has settled on a team. You know y- y- he's a, a jazz musician at heart, so you'll allow him stones into midfield and back again. But that midfield is very very settled, and the front three is pretty settled as well. He has a leaning the odd time towards a Bernardo Silva over a Riyad Mahrez, like he did against Munich. Uh, but that's no uh, weakening of the side either way. So it's a year where I kind of feel Pep is unlikely. I mean, you couldn't say cast iron certainty, but he, he seems unlikely to throw something overthought and curious into the mix when it comes to team selection. He's already done it. <laughs> as, as you say, he's already done it. He, he decides that John Stone should go and play right yeah. back, comes in at midfield. Um, it won't, there'll be a reasoning for it. You'll have thought that... Um, you know, there's something amiss in the midfield. We need a little bit. We need somebody in the midfield pushed a little bit forward. How do you do that? Mm. And because he thinks in a kind of quite laterally, okay, who can we find to make it a back three? I mean, I've been here before. You go all the way back to teams that have got two systems. They have got a defensive system when they've knocked the ball and they've got an attacking system. And they're very different systems. One's four at the back, one's three at the back. That's been doing, I remember chatting to you about Robin Martinez doing that with Belgium and it was a really clever thing to do. This is all the way back in the World Cup in, in Russia. So people have been doing that, and others have done it before. But Pep does it very, very noticeably. And uh, certainly when he does it, um, it, it seems to have a positive effect. And then on top of that, other people start. You know, watch, just watch what Liverpool are doing with Trent and Alexander-Arnold. Mm. You know, just he's exactly the same. <laughs> he's almost exactly the same. Um, doing, and it's classic what you're expecting other managers to have their own ideas but they're all looking at Pep thinking wow but you're right the rest of it's settled the rest of it's completely settled and the most normal thing that he's done I think is um, getting Haaland off at half time in the 2-0 that's the most normal thing he's done hmm. and that was so right and I was so happy he did it you know because he scored the 3-0 up so 3-0 up yeah. He scored his goals. Yeah. You know, he's wanting a hat trick. He's wanting to break records. No. We don't do that in football. We make sure you're wrapped up in Cottonwood because there's more important things in your records. And that was the most sensible thing. That was when he'd done that I was thinking, Oh, you've got the old school stuff as well, mate. Yeah. Do you like Hallen's uh, deliberate scuffed penalty technique? Um hey, his scuffs are harder than my shots, mate. I know, yeah. <laughs> I don't love but it. They're always they're always in the corner, though, aren't they? No, I, mean, I know. It's hard to quibble, but I don't love them. Uh, yeah, well, you know, it's, it's a kind of arms race, isn't it? The way that the, the, the penalty kicks have gone, you know, the, the, the one steps and things like that, and mm. the stops and not looking at the ball. Um, okay, I have a self-indulgent moment, right? Thinking of my own penalties, one I classically missed. Anyone who's not seen it, go on YouTube. It's very, very funny. Against Manchester City for Chelsea, right? But um, I hadn't realised that you talk about not looking at the ball, but looking at the keeper. Mm. And someone, uh, this next book I've got coming out, I had to get some pictures for it. It was a, a penalty I scored against uh, for Scotland. 
and there's a picture from behind. I didn't realise it. I didn't look at the ball either. Mm. I hadn't even realised. <laughs> How weird is that? I thought I always looked to the ball before I took the penalty, and I didn't. Yeah. Um, because you, you, so all of these things you think are absolutely brand new. In actual fact, it's just a more effective version of something that's always been done. And maybe Haaland's the same amount. We can assume Leeds are going to lose this evening, I would think. They're 3-1 down on the attack, admittedly, but 3-1 down with 25 minutes to go. That would leave them, same number of games played as everybody else around them. They are 29 points, which is two clear of the relegation zone. Everton and Nottingham Forest, both on 27 Nottingham Forest in the relegation zone by dint of goal difference but Everton and Nottingham Forest both on 27 points so two behind Leeds and then we have Leicester on 25 and we have Southampton on 23 so the improvement in Bournemouth is complicating the lives of Leicester and Everton and Leeds in particular most observers a few weeks ago before Gary O'Neill started doing a brilliant job would have said well uh, Bournemouth will go down with Southampton. Now that's not appearing as likely. Bournemouth are up to 14. They're on 33 points after a really good win against Spurs. I know you were at the Everton game over the weekend in which Fulham were 3-1 winners at Goodison. So I don't want to put words in your mouth, but are we now saying you think Everton are prime candidates to, at, at last, I don't mean that as in I've been waiting for them to get relegated, but it's been a long time, uh, are they at last in, in serious proper danger of going down? You think they are going down? Uh, right, so you don't have to put words in my mouth because I said them in, uh, after the game. Um, if Everton play like that, which they did, and they did the week before against Manchester United, they will go down. It's not, they, if they play like that, they will go down. Other teams are fighting more than that. They weren't fighting. There was no belief in it. And one of the scariest things, a really scary thing, was the feeling around Goodison Park of, oh well, I suppose that's it then. I've never, ever, ever, ever known it at Goodison Park. There have been some, actually sitting three seats along from me was Barry Horn, an old mate of mine, and uh, we played at Everton together, but he famously was involved in that when they were saved against Wimbledon, where they fought. And I can remember to this day the atmosphere on that in the ground. It was absolutely extraordinary atmosphere on that ground. And I can remember last year when they managed to get themselves free as well. By the way, good take by Sal. Well done. Um, when, they, when they need to fight, when the fans need to get on board, Frank Lampard helped them get out for it last season. I couldn't believe it. None of it was there. Mm. None of it. Are, are they just a bit Please. tired of it all? I don't think they believe anymore. Yeah. I I, I, honestly, the amount of, I talked to some toffees on the way out and they just looked completely resigned totally resigned to it um, and various things like we're, we're just not good enough now I, I don't see them every week um, but I, I couldn't believe I, I can, you can take anything but you can't accept lack of fire in your belly to go and try and save it's, yourself from it's, it's interesting you know because you would say Deitch's MO is a motivated fighting side and the last time I saw them in full was the Monday Night Football where they scored that last-minute screamer against Spurs, you remember. And subsequent to that, Manchester United dispatched of them 2-0 at Old Trafford. It was a bit flat. You kind of say, OK, that can happen. Uh, but on the basis of the Spurs game, I thought, well, Fulham at home, you know, Deitch, they're going to be OK. But that's uh, that uh, 3-1 at home like that, that, that is extremely worrying. Um, and, again, it, 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 you can lose 3-1 
and you'll still be okay because you're fighting and you're battling, you're chasing this belief, your creation. There's always bits of hope come from somewhere. I, I just felt that I felt, but also a lot of the other fans felt, well, there's no hope here. Yeah. There's always this thing that happens to Gerson, and it all, almost always, I mean, absolutely almost always happens. With 10 minutes to go, you know, going towards, you know, um, towards the glass street, and yet going towards the her Kendall stand as it is now, they always lift, and there's always this buzz, and there's always, even if you're a couple of goals behind, it's just, let's have a go for this last 10, and it really builds into a crescendo. And I sat and waited for it, and it never happened. Mm. And it didn't happen because you didn't. Now, to be fair, let's be fair in uh, Sean Dyche. I did some stats before the game. I had a look at it. And I found that uh, over this season, his percentage of points in comparison to Frank Lampard per, per game is double. So well done. John Dyche has done a good job. He's lifted them. Right? So that's number one. That's what he needed to do. But it finally eventually comes down to quality and goal scorers. Mm. He, and to some degree, neither did Frank. They, they lost Richarlison. Anthony Gordon was creative when he was in the mood, but you know, although that mood disappeared. And then Dominic Calvert-Lewin, although training this week, has not been available for them as well. In the end, you've taken all all the scorers and all the creativity just about out. You've got Damari Gray, um, young lad Sims, but he's young and he's not going to be a natural scorer. He looks, he's got everything. I was talking to a lot of ex-players, ex-Everton players at the weekend there, and they watch it every week. And they're just saying that there's something missing there. Um, he's not quite Premier League yet, but he's got all the physical attributes and he's a good good goal scorer. So you look around and you think, well, how are you going to win games? Well, you better get clean sheets and you better get a lot of good free kicks and corners in there mm. and, and win it that way. That's not how teams stay up. No. <laughs> you need goal scorers. The only uh, point of optimism as a final thought is their fixture list as the as a fixtureless goes in the Premier League is very kind. Now they have a rejuvenated, admittedly, but they have Crystal Palace on Saturday. Then they have Newcastle. Then they have Leicester, also very much struggling. They have Brighton. I know Brighton are very good, but it's not quite Man City. They do have Man City the week after Brighton. Then they finish with Wolves and Bournemouth. So that could be a lot scarier. So we'll we'll come back to Everton. I do. Well, we'll come back to that, but I will say yeah. one thing. What's the points we're looking at here? You're, how many points do you need to get to? You've got seven games left if you're Everton. Leeds have, you've got seven as well after this one. Um, you, you're trying to get to 36 points, maybe 37. Mm-hmm. You, so that's how you need to think about it. This Ten point points, 10. yeah. yeah. From know, seven it's, games. It's a lot of points from there. Had they ever won at the weekend there on 30, you're thinking, yeah, I can see two wins in there. Yeah. You know, I can see Leicester, I can maybe see Bournemouth at home and you're all up for, for the last game. Looking at it now, that's a long way. Okay, that's quite a lot of points for for Everton. So, um, as any Evertonians, listen, look, I feel exactly the same as you do. I'm desperate for the club to st- stay up. The the ramifications are nightmarish. You can see the new stadium rising. Mm. It's incredible. It's amazing the way it looks across the city when I was there the other day, and you've got all all the possible problems you could stick in together if you put that in the championship oh my god that is very very worrying is here oh well i've only been here a couple of days you know i can't sort out all the problems in that time and you still think you're not here to sort the problems. subscribe now to the otb football podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the otb sports app uh, chelsea 
uh, given a good lesson by Evan Ferguson before he went off injured. Mm-hmm. He was uh, ragdolling them, uh, beaten by Brighton, third defeat in a row. Real Madrid tomorrow, 2-0 deficit. Todd Bowley decided what the situation needed was uh, a speech, went into the dressing room where he described their season as embarrassing was his word. Waited for Lampard to speak, finishing, said the Guardian piece. One insider said the whole thing was weird. It's understood one senior player who signed for a large fee in the past 12 months was singled out for heavy criticism. I mean, most instances, that line would be enough to let you know who the player could be, but not this year and not at Chelsea. So it could literally be uh, any one of half a dozen. Uh, that player whose identity is not being disclosed, said that same piece in The Guardian, is believed to be disillusioned with the situation. Now, to be fair, Kepa was quoted as saying that Bowley's speech was pretty normal. He said, Todd comes into the changing room in every game. He uh, had different chats with us after different games. I'm not going to say what he did after the Brighton game, but it is normal for him to come in. So I guess when you're losing, everything is a bit funny. And then there was that great photo of uh, Bowley looking up at Chelsea fans at Stamford Bridge in it from his seat and they were shouting down at him, uh, presumably telling him that he was rubbish and they much prefer Roman Abramovich and the, the club is going to hell quickly. So, um, I don't know, like the Lampard thing, it's had no desired effect whatsoever. Uh, no, it's not. And I'm not going to try and sell that to anybody. Uh the, the one thing I would sell a wee bit is they weren't actually that bad over in Madrid. They were actually all right over there. Tactically, Lampard got it quite um, not too bad. It was a shame. There was a big mistake by Cucurella again, uh, and that cost the sending off. And then, you know, so they were the second best over in Madrid. Uh, but tactically, he was actually quite good, really good, Frank Lampard. Had that been a 1 0 or had Mason Mount scored near the end, which he nearly did. 2-1 coming back to the bridge tomorrow night, you'd have thought, mm, yeah, unlikely, but, you know, it's a possibility. All the other stuff's secondary. The leagues, they're not going to get down, you know, he said confidently. No, they're not going to get down. Um, the, the games are neither here nor there. They're not going to get European football. Mm. So it's all about this next game. Um, and it's whether from somewhere they can do something special. Now, if you're going to be ultra positive and try to see it as positive as possible, which as a player you should, um, you may have Thiago Silva coming back. You have N'Golo Kante coming back. You've got Mount coming back. None of these players started. Rhys James didn't start. They've got more than half a team. It's actually six players. I'm trying to think of the other one. But six players. Kovacic, that's the other one. Didn't start. They, that's half a team that was just left out that would start, really, um, against Brighton. Um, so when you start talking about three games defeated, one of Real Madrid, uh, the other one you, you've not really sent out was going to be a right team anyway. Mm. And it's all about this game. Is that, realistically, that's what Lampard did there because he'd be mad to do anything else. Anyone with uncertainty, you don't play against Brighton. Full stop. That's it. Um, you play against Real Madrid and you make sure you're, you're up for that because if you need a miracle to happen, it's kind of helpful if you have every single good player. A, available and be rested as much as you can. So the, the thinking that actually with Lampard and that, even though, you know, lost those last two games, I, I get the thinking with that. That's absolutely fine. Um, but the whole thing does seem very strange. And again, I've mentioned this book I've got coming out. I, I took over a club whose owner started coming into the dressing rooms afterwards. <laughs> and I physically dragged them out. Mm. Do not come near this place again. 
this is this you're not welcome yeah. you may think that, but you're not um you may be doing it with the best intentions but trust me it's not going to help no um you, you cannot speak well enough to these people who do not want you in their world you know it's and they'll not say it out loud because they can't um because it's not in a situation to them to do it but um i don't think frank would have asked uh, the owner in there uh, I I look forward to being proved wrong. Maybe Frank did. Maybe you know Potter did. I, I doubt it. But it's one of those things where you think, mm, if I was being asked for advice, I would say stop that, resist, don't do it anymore. No. What struck me about the whole situation, and I and I do take your point about the importance of the Madrid games and the Premier League games being very much secondary in terms of team selection. But what struck me was. Lampard in his post-match interview, it was like very similar to what he was saying after Everton games and even after certain Chelsea games in his first stint there, which was, you know, attitude is all off. That's not a Chelsea performance. Just these very vague criticisms of attitude. And I just thought, ugh, I, I don't buy that. I just think that's a really easy go-to. Uh, and, and ultimately, that, that's on you because Tuchel came in and the attitude was suddenly fine at Chelsea. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think the jury is really out on Lampard. I, I accept what you're saying about the tactical setup uh, against Madrid, but that he was already breaking glass and going for attitude stinks, I thought was not great. He does that a lot as a manager. Yeah, but if you can't, if you're, you're, your position is you can't say, oh, that was great. I know, but I just think I, I think take more ownership. Take I know, you but take a bit more in. take a bit more ownership. Like instead of oh, not a Chelsea performance, not on me. Uh, you know, we're two games away from him saying they don't have. What would he say? Did he say that time they don't have the balls or the other B? Um, I don't know. I just think he's very quick to wash his hands. He's Julius Caesar. I, I will look forward to his comments after Real Madrid. Okay. I think you get more after Real Madrid. I think you keep everything sweet at the moment, as much as you can, because you keep, you're basically keeping, it's the whole thing about, if Frank had a weakness in his first spell at Chelsea, it was lack of management of certain individuals who he fell out with, couldn't use, and then needed them. Mm. And he, if he's learned that, and then having to be a politician, <laughs> when he doesn't want to be, then he may have, to, he may have learned that. But and knowing what he's like, he'll do that until... He'll <laughs> do the politics but until they're out of everything. He knows he's not going to get a job and then he'll let rip. I think he will let rip. And I'll just say, that, don't think he's good enough. Don't don't like what he's doing. Don't think his attitude's good enough. Uh, and I do think he'll, he'll say that. Because I don't, I mean, certainly if you're Frank Lampard and, you know, what he's done and winning, the, the, he, he's expecting winners. He's expecting people who, you know, put the sort of effort he did in. Because he always did. He never gave anything less than everything. So I always think it's quite difficult for guys like that. Yeah, um, I think he finds it who, difficult, yeah. Because they don't know why people don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> they don't get it. I was talking to a guy recently. Uh, who was that again? It was, uh, oh, it was, he used to play for uh, Rangers um, and uh, Hibernian. And he was telling me about John Collins, who was manager at um, Hibernian. And he said he didn't like him as a manager, but liked him as a person because he didn't get that no one else could be as perfect as him with attitude and it's a funny funny thing that th these guys had these perfect training attitudes and mm. work ethic attitudes and fighting and that just never ever dropped it and then they look like great managers like Stevie G 
Steve Jarrett's another one, right? Mm. And then people go, well, how come you're not a great manager? Because they don't understand why people don't act like them. Not just not play like them, but don't act like them. And I think if it's if it's a downside of uh, Frank Lampard, I think he just looks at those people and just doesn't know how to get more out of them mm, because okay. he doesn't know where they're coming from, but they're not putting it all in. So he says those sort of phrases. Yeah. But I think he'll lose patience with it uh, after Real Madrid if they go out. Um, you mentioned Stevie G. So he departed the scene and in November, Unai Emery has come in. Bloody hell. I mean, this is quite the job he's doing. Aston Villa are up to sixth. They've won six in a row. I didn't see the game in full against Newcastle, but match of the day did a piece and their attacking play had of all, all of these uh, wonderfully intricate coordinated movements. You know, a, a team that were just run of the mill are now suddenly moving in a, in a very concerted, deliberate manner and it's, it, it's torturing a Newcastle uh, defence. So uh, this is an extraordinary job Emery is doing. Um, yeah, I was looking at... Um, I mean, if you're going to do something... In- uh, how they played and the, the technical side was interesting stuff but you can't ignore what Watkins was doing he was just ridiculous mm. it was just I, so on fire and rather brilliantly didn't get man in the match and one of the things I was looking at which made me laugh give it to John McGinn who was very good like really really good but uh, but Watkins so yeah if you've got a manager that can get the best out of the guy up front yeah. everybody else it's a lift out of it because everybody else thinks oh we just need to get it to him Cause this, and you this know, is 27 year old Ollie Watkins you know it's not like a kid he's suddenly developed uh-huh. and, and but, but he was good before and certainly they were trying to find different ways of him working with others because you know putting, putting him up with a front two sometimes there was a 4 3 3 in occasions but now with people coming on and arriving alongside him uh, he's he and of course he's stretching it all the time but making these brilliant runs and these great moves in yeah. the space and the whole thing and it makes it joyous if you're a Douglas Louise or something like that suddenly there's this big gap in front of you I mean, a lot of times in, in the past when some of us used to play that if it was a real quickie and he ran beyond defences he stretched the game for yes, you yeah. it's great but he was usually a bit rubbish Yeah, but he's actually really brilliant <laughs> so hmm. you've got all the best of both worlds there so, I mean, I'll look at some of the Watkins and think, God, I'd love to have played behind him. Mm. So he's, he's getting the best out of him. Um, and it's, I suppose you're going, well, the question that I'm guessing is leading to is Frank Lampard, mm, not happening. Stevie G, mm, not happening. Did they all get it just too early? Did they walk into it, you know, decently top jobs fairly early? Um, both of them had, you know, I will not offend Rangers fans by saying that Stevie G had an apprenticeship at Rangers, but you know, one step below the Premier League, and Frank did as well with Derby. Um, but you look at these other guys that come in; they've got, they've got, they've got years behind them, yeah. and they've got a lot of information and in what has to be done, and they don't have to learn it on the job. And I suspect that's the biggest problem mm. that these guys have had. Mm. Very good. Thanks so much. Enjoy the game tomorrow. Uh, I will try. <laughs> yeah. uh, Pat Nevin with us on this uh, Monday evening. We'll chat next week. Our football show coverage brought to you by Skywatch Premier League, Women's Super League, EFL, Scottish Premiership, much more live on Sky Sports. It's suddenly 5-1 Liverpool at Ellen Road. Salah with the fourth and Jada with the fifth. So Leeds 1, Liverpool 5.
is here. Oh, well, I've only been here a couple of days, you know. I can't sort out all the problems in that time. And you still think you're not here to sort out the problems. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. Uh, you're welcome back. Michael and Arthur have popped into studio, so still Leeds 1, Liverpool 5. Joe, can I ask a question? We had this debate on Friday. Uh-huh. Uh, what's the game you think of when you think of Leeds and Liverpool? Mark Faduka. I spoke without yeah. thinking. Yeah. And that's exactly go. what Arthur said, and he sent me the match, right. and I didn't remember it. I didn't remember Mark Faduka's four goals. I feel like it's a massive hole in my uh, knowledge. I'm every so surprised. Every three to four years, whenever Faduka needed a contract, he'd... Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. It was. <laughs> I remember a couple of those performances. I just didn't remember that one. Oh, that was the definitive Leeds-Liverpool one I can remember. Of that era when Leeds were very There good. was the charity shield when uh, right before Eric Cantona went to United where he scored for Leeds. Oh, before my and what about Tony Yeboa? The underside. The volley. Wouldn't have known that was against Liverpool. Would you not, no? No, the volley's... Just known for itself, yeah. Don't remember anything else about that Opposition match. Yeah. Kenny Cunningham was near Yeboah when he scored another. Yeah, Wimbledon the other. Well. See, that's what I mean. It's not they're they're like the Yeboah goals. They're not. Oh, that Liverpool. Yeah, I think of them as Liverpool and Wimbledon, like. But yeah. Ever since I told Dan McDonald that Evan Ferguson isn't getting the credit, I think that we're giving him uh, across the RC. I just can't move, but for English voices talking about <laughs> Big Ev. So there's Keezy saying Chelsea need to sign him. And then even in match of the day... Oh my God, was, I hope he doesn't go to Chelsea. Well, indeed. Even at, at the weekend when he was bullying Chelsea, God, they would have really noticed him, noticed him as well. Chelsea. Yeah. Beating the crap out of them for however long before he went off injured. Uh, the match of the day commentator, I'm not sure which one it was. Very hard to remember the names of the match of the day commentators. Yeah. Isn't it? Anyway, he was... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they are remarkably similar. Yeah. It's the more, it's the most opinionated one. Is that Jonathan Pierce? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, Jonathan Pierce does stand out. He's I'm there. pretty sure it was Pierce, but uh, it was the time when Ferguson, you know, turned beautifully. Like again, just such spatial awareness, intelligence. Uh, turned beautifully and smacked the crossbar. I'm going to say it was Pierce, but whoever remarked, "What a talent this young Irishman is!" And I thought, he's catching on. Yeah, he's catching on. No, hundred percent. He was brilliant. He, he really. It's funny now how much he looks. Oof. In and of his, he's, he's very comfortable. Very at that level, like which is it's quite striking. Like when you think how many times, even from the Irish perspective, in the last few years, where we've kind of you see people try to make that step up, and it's next near, you know, yeah. flashes. Someone like Aaron Connolly or whatever, not to always put it on him. No, but he's so the cautionary difficult. tale. Yeah, yeah he even got the match of day treatment that night and sheer great yeah. movement and all that. But I, I'm now not spooked at all about Ferguson's future. In the no, that's exactly it. Actually, isn't it? It's, it's like, like yeah, you just belongs. have to be confident about oh. this guy. He's so good. You don't want to see him getting too many little ankle injuries and stuff of like that freak as he almost scores in the Premier League against Chelsea. But you know that those things will happen. It's a pity he's missing this weekend. It really is. That's a whatever about one we think like shop window isn't a nice term because actually personally I hope he stays at Brighton another year you know but at least uh, but like playing against Manchester United and Wembley what a place to you know display his talents it's going to be a bit of a pity that he isn't there but look he's 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 not out for too long or anything no. like that you know? have you seen the photo of Todd Bowley shouting up at Chelsea fans shouting down at him yeah oh man everything this guy could do wrong <laughs> he's doing wrong you just you you don't respond. You just pretend you can't hear them. You walk out. And it turns out he was walking straight down to the dressing room to tell Chelsea that their season was embarrassing. How do you think a player... Like, Todd Bowley hasn't done anything in football. 
So it's like, who cares? Like, you know, if you're a Chelsea player and you're sitting there as Todd Bowley comes in, you're just going to be sniggering. I know. Do you know, like, he's going out like, he goes, <laughs> the Americans not happy, lads. <laughs> Do you know, it's like he's he's no he's no power or impact there at all. It's so funny. Hot in the heels Despite of his billions. Oh, hot in the heels of his three 0 prediction in Madrid last week as well. So again, it does. It is embarrassing. He's right in what he says. Like it is an embarrassing season. Oh, it's, there. It, it's hilarious now at this stage. That was their, 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 the Conor Gallagher fluke goal was their first goal in four Premier League games or something like that. Yeah, they're like you. You mentioned the list of signings a couple of weeks ago on the show and. Abamyang was on it and I started laughing in the control room I forgot that Abamyang was with Chelsea I know I can feel like his back is up every time someone in the media says and they've no strikers he's like god damn it <laughs> <laughs> someone says that one more time it's just hilarious like I'm thoroughly enjoying it because to spend 600 million is obscene yeah and for it to be such a catastrophe is hilarious like objectively even Chelsea fans would have to think there's yeah. almost something funny they, about they know they'll be back as well they'll they're always fine. back and they in all... a way they'll probably challenge for a title before Manchester United do well, next year when they've got no European football now, yeah. they'll, have an they'll go and year. sign a striker as Liverpool go 6-1 up yeah newness they'll go and sign a striker they'll get Nagelsmann in and they'll finish a very close second to City next year so in, no in, Joe what does Nagelsmann have that Frank Lampard doesn't have oh I well <laughs> be afraid to answer I don't know this is uh, you know you brought up your man a minute ago. Keezy? Oh, yeah. Ah, Did you not see this? No. Sorry, no. we shouldn't be giving him airtime, but it was the most ludicrous. What does, uh, I fail to see, I'm, I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, I don't have it in front of me, but I think he said, I fail to see what Nagelsmann have that Frank Lampard doesn't have. Uh, just because you put together a, a better PowerPoint pl- um, <laughs> presentation doesn't mean you know the. Uh, you should be picked over a legend. I'd pick a legend of the club who knows the game and knows the club and our league inside out. I do think Lampard has an issue with his public dealings now. I, I, I thought it was embarrassing at the end of his Everton days when he was talking about not having the B. Was it bollocks or balls? It was bollocks, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was just... Oh. And ashen-faced at the weekend, talking about how that's not Chelsea performance. No work right, no desire. Like, already I could feel the dressing room going, no. Who made you? Like, what is this? Yeah. So... For a start, there's that. Yeah, it is a hard one to do. Like, like obviously Frank Lampard is a, is a failure, and <laughs> as a manager, yeah, obviously, yeah, a pretty good player. Fun. Like, you know, amazing um, player. Yeah, brilliant. Like, yeah. yeah, and like did the most with his talent as well. Like, you know, that's what but, I mean. Yeah, but he was. Um, he's obviously like not a good manager. So, you know, he can't. Just because other managers will say what he says doesn't mean it's going to work when you aren't doing all of the rest of the things and aren't making your team ready and uh, able to compete. So when Alex Ferguson does it and calls out Aberdeen after winning the cup, yeah, you know he knows that the body of work there is done. So people might be pissed off with him, but they're not going to disrespect him. Every like again, it's the it's the idea. It's like of with Bowley coming out to give it to him. Like none of those players respect Lampard as a manager anyway. Well, it's and they don't respect Bowley. No, they certainly don't respect Bowley. Or fear him, as the case once would have been, I would suspect. With Abramovich. I think when he's coming to the club, a la Valle's helicopter, you're like, oh. Everyone's a bit more out of his way. demure. I mean, it's, <laughs> but yet it's not as how you wield power. And Bowley just seems, it does seem sort of temporary. It doesn't seem like he's going to be there for any sustained period of time. He might have trouble offloading the globe or whatever happens, but it doesn't. It feels so... How quickly do you turn around a culture like that? Because you look at someone like Raheem Sterling, 
is one of the like premier players in the league, right? He goes to Chelsea. It immediately it starts to feel like a retirement home. It starts to feel like someone has moved to China or to you know to to one of those leagues, and like you know two or three more players that start you know feels like that. that that becomes a culture then. That becomes very hard to turn around. Mm. You know, you're doing all the wrong things just because you have the money. It's not going to work. It actually, money could actually be, make things worse even. Well, I would because you're just constantly throwing loads of new players at things. Well, like Nats Forest on steroids, you know? Yeah, I would suspect that a bunch of the players must be sitting there and, and they must realise that our training situation is bizarre. We've 32 first team proper players. Um, you sacked a manager you promised you wouldn't sack. You brought in Lampard, whose track record is increasingly questionable. You've spent six hundred million, and we don't have a striker. Aubameyang's just banged on the table again. All due respect. All due respect. <laughs> Pierre. So you, you've spent you've be, spent six hundred million about as badly as anyone ever has. Yeah. And now you're down here in the dressing room saying that we're embarrassing. He'd, yeah. You'd be flipping tables. And also... And just go and play Madrid on Tuesday. Oh. I don't want to bring things back to Villa Newcastle, which is how I started the show tonight, but I watched Anthony Gordon for 90 minutes or forever long. He lasted 70 minutes on Saturday. And like, and I watched him plenty of times for Everton as well. He is a nothing player. Like, not to sound too, <laughs> but like... But he is, like, he is... But, but he was Bowley's big idea. Bowley was furious when he couldn't get <laughs> Anthony so Gordon. Nasty? I know. Because he's he's because he thinks he's a lot. He, he's he's um he went stormed off the pitch in the last match and Newcastle won five games in a row because he wasn't getting picked by Eddie Howe and he comes out and he pl- and Eddie Howe's answer is to play him in the next game. Do you know what your tone of voice is there? It's, he, I'll tell you who he is. I'll tell you who wrote it. <laughs> no, that's I just he's the like guy. Annoy me. He's hubris. He just he's never done anything in the game except for randomly get sold for forty million quid. <laughs> In the game, we're free rolling here. One last quick point. No, but Bowley obviously like thought Anthony Gordon was the answer. Like so that, that's my point. There is a reason I brought well, him up. Uh, the word is the Mudrick signing seems to have been, you know, that he watched lots of football and decided that attacking players who could score from outside the box were like the bee's knees. And yeah. Mudrick was like, let's get him. Uh, the Arsenal situation, I put it to Pat that it's it suddenly after a, a hint of this at Anfield that now very much feels like. We're heading towards inevitable conclusion. City will reel them in yeah. slowly. I couldn't sure. believe that that what happened during. Like I kind of like when I saw. I don't think I'd started watching the start of it. None of us was two nil. You're like, oh, that's done. Yeah. And I, I remember t- I messaging a friend. I was like, this is just going to all hinge on City, Arsenal, and that one game. And now it kind of feels. I think if City beat them, then and it becomes the, a race, like an actual, the, you know. Yeah. I don't think they'll have. I don't know the run of games to be honest with you, but it just it, that, that was very, such a winnable, very straightforward run. I think of we're into City. Winning Arsenal the, don't. We're, we're into City winning the treble. Arsenal have Newcastle, yeah. Chelsea. Aren't we? Well, we're kind of saying yesterday, if Man United do get the business done next weekend, they have a shot to come stop down them. That there'll be at least one shot to stop them. Yeah, yeah which is um, but like City should beat Manchester United handily. Really. They should. All but, things being equal, but but yeah. they, they didn't as well at the same time. You know, yeah. they lost them as well, and and I don't think. It probably changes the dynamic somewhat when you have a ch- potentially have a Champions League final as well coming up. Yeah. Whereas, like, it's funny when you think the only last time it's been done with United, like they had the luxury of, I don't think Cole or York started that FA Cup final in '99 against Newcastle. It was such Solskjaer and Sheringham. I think um, I know Keane started came off. Yeah. Maybe maybe Scholes came on or something. Like that. It was just 
it really like the the depth the talent was frightening but I don't know if City will have that yeah luxury that is they, they, they will they certainly have the up. talent <laughs> they will tighten up but yeah. like we know that, like they're a team that goes out and routinely gets 95 points 90 points in the Premier League season they're, they have an ability to go on winning runs that go through the pressure points mm. if they do then the 112 charges story is going to blow up again in a big way well it's short as well like you know yeah, and even if they don't you know like really Miguel, Miguel Delaney was making a really good point. It's like Arsenal only drew a game away from home against West Ham. That should be a normal thing that happens in a, in a title race. But what Man City are doing is routinely getting that 95 points yeah. in a season. And it's just impossible to compete with. Mm. Um, yeah. you know, someone might beat them one year, but in general, they'll win the league. It's distorted. Yeah. Uh, nothing player. Uh, <laughs> Michael McCarthy Archery D thank you our football show coverage brought to you by Sky watch Premier League watch Women's Super League EFL Scottish Premiership and much more live on Sky Sports